It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thanks for being with us. I'm Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion part of Jeff Fiegels. He's at Jay Fiegels. I'm at Giants WFAN. We're with you for the next hour to talk NFL football and Giants football specifically. Our phone number is 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. And later on, you'll find an archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcasts. Hello, Mr. Fiegel. Happy Friday. It is yeah. Friday. Yes. Yeah, and suddenly those warm Pearson's temperatures. Last day of the week. Yeah, and those warm temperatures disappeared. What in the world happened? <laughs> Wait a minute. The last couple of days, what? it was 60s Fine. in the New York metro area. Good. Melt all this stupid snow. And now it dropped down to 30s. Well, that was warm today when you woke up, right? I mean. Did you on your walk today? Not yet. Not yet. Well, it's windy. That's the problem. I did 20 miles the last two days. Oh, my goodness. How about that? Obviously, you got nothing else doing. Well, if you think I'm wasting that kind of weather, you're out of your mind. It was nice yesterday. I know I I was taking the dog out yesterday morning, and I was like, wow, can it just stay like this? I mean, I'll take 50. 50 is fine with me. But, oh, well. Even 40 is pretty good. Well, no, no. Don't go to 40. No, 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 no. 40 is not bad. No, but 40 can be cold if it's windy. Well, and it is windy, by the way. I know. I wouldn't want to be in an airplane. And I know you know all about wind being a punk. I know all kinds of wind (laughs) stuff. It's too strong today, but uh, yeah, no, it's good. Happy Friday to you, Paul. Uh, You too, Jeff. I I wanted to start this program by talking about something that I found incredibly interesting. And I I hope our our listeners do as well, because uh, we all know that Joe Shane was the assistant general manager of the Buffalo Bills for several years before he got hired here as the GM of the Giants. He worked very closely with Brandon Bean, who is the GM of the Bills franchise and is universally respected uh, for his work in turning that that team around. did a great job. He has often said that he has involved Joe Shane in everything that he did, and if he wasn't involved, he made sure he got him involved and caught him up to speed and made sure he knew everything. So the way I've looked at it, I've always kind of thought that he was almost a co-GM. It almost seemed like the way Bean treated him, mm-hmm. he was almost like part of the like Batman and Robin, if you will. Mm-hmm. He wasn't necessarily an assistant on the lower level. He seemed like he was almost on an equal plane. The way they discuss how they did business. Yeah. So it occurred to me that you know we've had conversation casually over the last month or so about some of the things that we've seen the Bills do, some of the strategies we believe that they've employed. And we've kind of talked about, well, maybe Shane's going to want to do this kind of stuff. Well, fortunately, just this week, Brandon Bean did a very in-depth interview with Eric Wood, former Bills offensive lineman who was part of their broadcast team. Mm -hmm. And he did a sit-down with him, and they specifically addressed the recipe and exactly what it is that the Bills front office has done the sauce. to build this franchise. It's the sauce. He gave out the secret Coca-Cola formula <laughs> is what he did. Okay? And we're going to talk about it. And I thought we would go through yeah, the key points go. from the formula because you have to believe that Shane is, if he's not going to duplicate it, he's going to be real close to it. You have to believe that. Well, why wouldn't you? I mean, if, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. All right. So the first thing was, uh, I'm just going to take these in the order as the interview progressed. I literally wrote down the notes. So I'm going to take them in the order of the interview. So okay. I'm sorry if they're a little bit discombobulated in terms of topic, but, but we'll go through it one at a time. <laughs> first thing he, he did indicate was that it was important to him to delegate a lot to Joe Shane, which goes back to the environment we talked about where they were almost equals. It was very clear Brandon Bean did not want to take everything on his shoulders. He was a guy who, despite the fact that as the general manager, he was in charge of the whole operation, he was very specific about how he thought that was not the right way to do things. He thought it was incredibly important to have a right-hand man 
who was going to be able to drive the truck and do a whole bunch of stuff that he wasn't going to have to worry about. Right. I think that's important because he has already named a assistant general manager here. Brandon Brown. Coming up from the Philadelphia Eagles. A Brandon of all things. Indeed. Not a Brandon Bean. Indeed. A Brandon Brown. And he has retained Kevin Abrams sure. to be his cap guy as special assistant mm-hmm. within the organization. I think that right there says an awful lot that Shane was given a lot of responsibility by the general manager up there, and I think he's already showing us here that he's kind of going to have two right-hand men in that front office between his cap guy and his assistant GM. I don't know exactly what those responsibilities are going to be, but it's clear that he is not going to take everything on his shoulders. Well, he can't because what what he showed up in the building and 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 asking to do is a large project. I mean, you're asking, you know, Joe Shane to turn around this organization and to start with, you know, what you have. And I think that any good leader will understand that things that they don't do well, they have to find somebody to help them do it well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm not saying that Joe Shane knows how to do everything well. Nobody knows how to do everything well. So, but I, I believe that because of the story that you said about Brandon Bean and how he was closely tied to uh, Joe Shane was closely tied to him that, you know, you're going to take that type of concept, if you will, and bring it with you. But when I look at somebody like Brandon Brown, who's been in the Philadelphia Eagles organization and scouting and all that kind of stuff, that tells me that there's going to be a lot coming from him because the, the Philadelphia Eagles, regardless, even know that they are, you know, they are, we don't like them. They have drafted very well down there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I think that he's been, Brandon Brown has been a part of this. So I think he's going to have a, a big play when it goes to the scouting part of it. Now, the other thing is, is that this team is in a bit of a cap problem. And so whether you want to say that Kevin Abrams or it was, um, you know, whoever put you, you know, Dave Gettleman, whoever put you in this position you are, you got to get out of it. And I think that Kevin Abrams has done this all his life. He's been in this organization a long time doing these types of things, and he's going to rely on Kevin to work themselves out of this foxhole because that's where they're at right now. And I think collectively, surround yourself with good people, and good things will happen. All right. So that was one item. Another item, and it addresses what you just mentioned about the cap. Mm-hmm. They had a bad cap trouble uh, problem in Buffalo when now, he got how, there. Is this five years ago now or four? Yeah, five. five, I believe. Five, yeah. And he said, you know, we knew right away, primary thing, you've got to fix the cap, which Joe Shane has already talked about. Yeah. But the other part to this, which I thought was very interesting, is that Brandon Bean said we also knew that we wanted to get younger right away. Now, the Giants already have a pretty young team yeah. by comparison to, in, in, to the other teams in the National Football League. So <clears throat> I don't know how much younger Joe Shane will try to get. Now, part of the way that you can reduce cap is by using uh, more reliance on the younger players, draft. the rookies, the draft, the second-year players, because they're less expensive. Correct. So that, Develop them. that is part of the way you can kind of massage and work your cap by employing a lot uh, more less expensive players. I don't know if this necessarily means that the older players on the Giants roster uh, need to be a little bit shaky, because depends on they, who you are. You know, it certainly does. I, I and I don't think there's any doubt about that. But it was interesting that in addressing the cap issue, he definitely stressed, and that is Brandon Bean again in Buffalo. We wanted to make sure that we got younger. And and as a side note to this, he said we wanted to get younger, but we also wanted to build around Allen. And I think that's interesting because at the time that Brandon Bean came in, Josh Allen is not the same Josh Allen that we knew today. No, absolutely okay? not. But, but they had conviction. They made the pick. They drafted him. They suffered through a difficult rookie season with him. And they decided they were going to build around him, which is exactly the mission that we've heard from Shane, we've heard from Dable, and we've heard from John Mara as to what the Giants are going to do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I, you know, that you just defined in my terms what a franchise quarterback is. Okay, a franchise quarterback is a guy that's, you know, you're going to be as an as an organization, you're going to stick with him through thick and thin, 
There's going to be some times like that. Um, and that this guy can win you some games, you know, down the line. But uh, that's certainly with, with Josh Allen. I think that with Daniel Jones in this situation, it's a little bit different because Daniel Jones is not young. He is young, but he's not young, right? I mean, he's coming into his fourth season. Um, he's played a lot of football, taken a lot of snaps under center in the National Football League. And, but I think as far as when we go back to you talking about the team getting younger, there's no doubt that this team has to get younger because when you listen to Joe Shane and you listen to Brian Dable in those press conferences, Paul, when he when they first got, got here, there was a lot of underlying currents, if you will, in the, in those what they were saying. They're they're trying to draft a lot of guys. They need to get a lot of a lot of young guys in there. They need more draft picks. So, and we've talked about this trying to get money. That doesn't mean cutting players. You can trade players to get picks. Correct. And so when you and I'm not going to name the names that are on the roster now. The guys we, we a lot of people are talking about them, but I'm not going to name those names. But the guys that they are talking about, you want to try to get picks for those guys if they're going to trade them first. Then you get a little cap, a little bit of a cap hit, but you get a little savings too. I think that's where this team is going as far as building through the draft and and the younger players. Now, interesting. They got some good ones on the roster though. I mean. Oh, yeah. some really good oh, young no players. There's no doubt. Especially on that defensive side. I think they need a little bit more help younger-wise on the offensive side. Now, in referring to building around Allen with these younger players, okay, he specifically addressed the fact that they believed in Allen, much like the Giants believe in Jones, primarily because of his intangibles. Now, this was very interesting because, as you remember, when, when Allen came in, Couldn't throw anything. the performance <laughs> the did not match the potential. Yeah. Now, just because well, I, happen to young. Be, I happen to love the guy coming out of Wyoming, I mean, not everybody else did. But he cited specifically they wanted to build around him because they believed in his smarts. They believed in his work ethic. Mm-hmm. They believed that he did have the tools, but they also believed that he had the toughness and the leadership qualities. He never said when he was discussing him that we were building around him because of performance or what we projected. What he talked about was Allen's intangibles. Well, he doesn't have to because if you talk about all those things, he's going to project to win. Well, you would think. Yeah. And that's how the Giants people have been talking about Daniel Jones ever since they took him. Well, they just the same intangibles. surround him with people. Exactly. Yeah. So... I found that to be very interesting. Well, I think you gotta you gotta be a little bit cautious here, Paul. I think you, you kind of only wish that if this was a scenario that Daniel Jones might have been a year or two younger, um, because there th- this team has a long ways to go. For instance, what I'm trying to say is that can this t- be turned around in overnight? Probably not, but it can get you know you, forward progress here. But how much time are you going to have? to really build a football team to surround Daniel Jones with what you want so you can evaluate him to be for the future. I just It's going to be very difficult right now. Well, I think what's, what's interesting to me is that because Brandon Bean stressed Allen's intangibles as the reason they believed in him, why that's interesting to me is because if Shane buys into that same rationale for Daniel Jones... They just might pick up his $20 million fifth-year option before this season starts. Because if he believes in all those intangibles, think about this for a minute. No, I, I know what you're going. I know you, where you're you, going. You got him very inexpensively this year. Yeah. And if you really believe that he's going to be any good at all, $20 million next year in 2023 for a starting quarterback in this league yeah. is dirt Morgan. cheap. It's half price. It, it's ridiculously cheap. Yeah. So well, I think they're going to have to talk to the medical people yeah. and ask, how is Daniel Jones physically? Where does he stand? What's his injury risk? How is that neck healed? We haven't had any of those conversations. Obviously, you and I with yeah. the medical people, it's not our business to do that. Right. They're going to keep that behind closed doors. But I'm starting to think now. Is the option less than the franchise? Yes, significantly less. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to think now, if Shane believes in all those intangibles of Daniel Jones, maybe Daniel Jones will not be on an audition this year. They might just pick up that option I, by I, next month. They I'm, might I, do it. I'm not going to agree with you there. I'm going to, you know, and it could happen. Absolutely. We don't know. I mean, but to me, I think that because of what I said before, like, you know, 
you just can't go all of a sudden and pick pick up four new offensive linemen that are going to be you know top 10 in the NFL and have and have Daniel Jones starting behind those guys it's, there's, there's gonna there's a process here and so it's it's not going to be easy so how are you going to evaluate Daniel Jones I guess just on his past performances and some of the good things he did you know but I feel like if I'm the GM of the, of the Giants right now and I'm looking at Daniel Jones my number one pro, my number one item that I'm looking at is his health is how Am I going to pay this guy all this money to only play an average of 12, 13 games a year, 11 games, whatever it is? That's a big That's a big thing. Health is always a risky proposition. Right. To me, but remember, question- I'm sorry, but remember what you said about Josh Allen, durability. Remember, that was that was one of the, the, the components of that whole argument was the health part of it. So for me... I've kind of moved off the fact that I wouldn't give Jones the option and I would make him play it out this year. I'm now starting to believe that maybe they just should pick it up because the biggest question for You're me You're talking now, about financing now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm starting to think to myself, you're not going to get a veteran starting quarterback worth anything for $20 million on a one-year deal in 2023. It's not going to happen. So if you believed in Daniel Jones' intangibles, if you believe in his skill set, and if your medical people tell you he's a good risk, it makes more sense to pick up that option than not. But but we don't know the answer. We don't know the answer. But really, you don't have to. You don't have to, but you're helping yourself immensely with the cap in 23. Because if you pick up his option at 23, you now know you have economic certainty he's going to be 20 instead of having to worry about the potential of tagging him or of having him negotiate a brand new deal. Yeah, I got it. And, and what you could do, you could pick it up. And then if you, all of a sudden he has a heck of a, have a, heck of a year, right, um, that you can say, you know what, we're, we're, just gonna, we're just gonna do this now. We're gonna do a new contract. You could. But I don't think that'll happen. But even if you picked up the option and he played it out, then you can franchise him the next year. So you really could have him for two more years at, at really a pretty discounted price when you think about it. So, so I'm, I'm yeah. simply... So there, there's definitely, I would love to hear some more arguments from some other people that maybe bring up some other things that we're not looking at, but I, I certainly think that it adheres to your program that you're talking about. Yeah, I think that there there is logic on both sides of this. There's logic on making him audition this year, and there's also logic on giving him that, that option. Yeah. I, I think... I could see it either way. And for me, the biggest linchpin is what does the medical staff believe about his health risk? The other, the other thing is, is that what does, the, what does the organization feel like if they do not move on with Daniel Jones? Who's going to be their quarterback in 2023? And are you putting all your eggs in one basket of being able to go after one of those quarterbacks that are going to be available next year in the 23 draft? Okay, but here's the thing. You could still draft a quarterback in 2023 and have that rookie sit behind Jones and only pay Jones 20 No, I'm mil. saying if you go completely away from this. If you go completely away from him, now you're starting from scratch again and you're saying to yourself, well, in 2023, we're not going to probably be able to pay the moon for one of the franchise guys who might be a free agent. I don't even know who they will be at that point. But you're either going to pay through the nose for that guy or you're going to have to draft a rookie and tell him you're starting right away. That, well, I mean, I, I think that there's there's so much that goes into this decision. It's, that, it's that, a complex. But, but it doesn't. But I feel like there's more things that surround the decision than just Daniel Jones. I think it's more of how are we going to develop this offense so that it can be eventually be a good one. And so, yeah, Daniel Jones or any quarterback's got to be a part of this. But you got to put the, you know, you really what you got to do is you got to go and you got to build your offensive line. You gotta you gotta protect this guy, whoever it is. And going into the future, I think that's something they have to think about. Anyway, a lot of different puzzle pieces to that yep. particular issue. And the point is, I could see it going either way. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. A month ago, I thought there was a right answer. Yeah. And that was you had to let him play it out. Yeah. I'm not so sure anymore. Yeah, I mean things change, right? I mean, um, and like I said, I, you know, if we have time to get to the callers later, I would like to, somebody to tell me maybe something that that Paul and I aren't thinking of. It would be good. All right. Um, another we think item. Of everything. Another item by by Brandon Bean said specifically when drafting, I don't draft for guys who have the most talent, 
but how that player fits into the system and the scheme. Yeah. Now, I can I just comment on that? Which kind of goes against the best player available situation. Yes, and I will tell you that I was fortunate enough. I think it was earlier in the week to be able to have breakfast of all things. Just uh, this is this is like just coincidental. I was in the cafeteria and having breakfast, and Brian Dable sat down, and we mm-hmm. talked for thirty minutes. And I asked him a bunch of questions about his offense and what's how he's going to do things. And one thing that he said to me, which resonates with this, Mm -hmm. the philosophy of kind of where this is at, he said, Jeff, before I do anything, we have to figure out how, what our players are on this roster and how those guys are going to fit into our system. Mm -hmm. And then we'll move forward. So whether all of them or none of them, it does, you know, there's going to be some in there that they're going to fit into our, the way that we play. But more importantly, he said this, I can't just gut the whole team, right? And put a system in with no players. I'm going to have to develop what I have here and put the system in that works with these guys. And mm-hmm. then we'll, then we will fill those positions with what you said, not necessarily by need, but by, it's kind of like how these, how this guy's going to fit my system. He may not be the best athlete available, May not be the best player available, but he's going to be the best guy for our system available. Yeah, so I which, think, by the way, I think is going to is going to make some people scratch their head when the names are called. Yes, <laughs> and that's what I'm preparing for now. Yeah, because that whole best player available BPA that doesn't sound like it's the mantra anymore. Well, I, I listen. I mean, uh, some some teams do it differently, and if this is the new philosophy of the New York Football Giants, and this is the way that they're going to go. And Joe Shane has his ideas, then we're going to see it. So don't don't get crazy on on draft day when these names get announced, and you're like, who, what? All right, back to the the uh, the philosophy of Brandon Bean as he built the Bills. He also made it very clear: you don't make moves for one year; you make them with three years in mind. Say that again. You don't make a move just for one year; you make the move to have three years in mind. It's 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 literally. A three-year plan, when you make a move, you try to figure out how does this situation work over the course of the next three years. You don't just make a move for right now. Interesting. Interesting. Which, now, does that have way, to do with three agents, or does that have that to do with That has to do the, with how you okay. build the roster. For example, when they made the trade for Diggs, that wasn't like what the Rams just did when they went all in yeah. on everybody for this year. Well, they, and it they, paid off. They got more from Diggs in year two okay. than they did year one. The Bills, yeah. when they made that trade for Diggs, they planned on having him around for a few years. Mm-hmm. He was not a one-year wonder where we're putting everything on this yeah. year, we got to make the Super Bowl this year, and that's it. A lot of risk. All right? That's not the way that Bean operates in Buffalo. Well, by the way, I think everybody will agree with me that we have seen teams do what the Rams have done this year. And it has never worked. It, this was this usually was, it's a this disaster. This was an amazing feat that what happened it, here. It, yeah. And and by the way, it just it, the stars lined up. I think it has a lot to do with the character of the guys that were on the team. And some people will question the character of Odell Beckham, but the fact of the matter is, I think that that guy's grown up a little bit, so his character has changed from when he was here. And I think that when you look at the other guys on that team, Aaron Donald, okay. I mean, he's a guy that was you know, on a mission to mm-hmm. win that thing. Um, he showed it, too. Yeah, and then you go out and get the other players. I mean... Von Miller was a big help, too. A huge help. So, But a lot of times that doesn't work. No, you most know? of the time it well, does well, not let's work. Look at, look in 2015. Giants went out and spent 200 and something million dollars on all those free agent players. They made the playoffs, but they got beat. It didn't work. And then, because what happened? They're, I think that, you know, they're still, they're still feeling it years later from the cap. Yep. Uh, okay, a couple other items here, then we'll get to the phone calls. I know, I, I know, Pearson, I want to get to these calls, but I think we need to finish this off. Uh, he did say the offensive line is the toughest non-quarterback position to scout, which I think we all believe. He said the primary reason is, and I've talked about this with coaches for years, you have so many pass-oriented offenses in the college game that a lot of times you won't even find any offensive linemen who know what a three-point stance is anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but that that wasn't anything uh, new that he said, but it was certainly something that he well, stressed. Well, remember this: not every there isn't any team in college that doesn't does not run the football. So you can get some type of scouting out of some of these linemen, um, and that's what the combine's for. You know, I mean, you mm-hmm. can kind of see how these guys 
their agility moving side to side and some of the lineman drills that they do. Um, yeah, it's a crapshoot. It's a tough one. Two other items. He says you have to have a, quote, semblance of a running game, which is what I continue to talk about and have for a decade now. You don't sure. necessarily have to have the great running game, but you have to be able to run the ball when you want to or need to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have the overall stats, but but you need to use that running game effectively to control tempo or the situation that you're going to be faced on or, Sundays. Or if you ever get into this situation, it would be nice to win the game. Exactly. For, I mean, the, the four-minute four, offense you, at the end of the game, That's where right? you got to do it. All right, and then finally... He said uh, it, it's always a key to find your rhythm early in the season. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's music to my ears. Okay, that's something <laughs> he mentioned. He mentioned that well, finding a rhythm early in the that, season that is that a key. You know that has not happened around here for it I don't even know how happened. long. Because you dig yourself such a hole. Um, you lose confidence. You, get, you, have to, you put so much pressure on everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, because the media will not let you... They off the hook. They're going to tell you, just like they do every year, a team that starts 0-3 makes the playoffs 11% exactly. of the time. And guess what? The players are coming into the locker room going, God, you know, if we lose this game today, we're going to be 0-4, which only 4% teams make the playoffs. We're doomed. <laughs> I know. We're doomed. So I'm going to be very interested to see how Joe Shane takes that philosophy and brings it from Buffalo. And with Coach Brian Dable, I'm going to really be very carefully looking at how does camp go, who's getting preseason snaps, and with who, how many, and how do the Giants get going in September. I'll tell you how. A little homework for our listeners, okay? Go and look at the coaching staff that Brian Dable brought in here. Just that's all I'm gonna say. Go look at that coaching staff, and it'll show you there's some really good veteran football coaches. A lot of NFL experience here. Which, a lot, which you need from a lot of winning programs too. Hundred percent. So, all right. yeah. I mean, then by the way, you know, when you look at the teams that have been successful in the playoffs, and we talk about the quarterback position till we're blue in the face, Paul. I know we're gonna get to the calls, but real quickly, that's the most important position, no matter what. We talked about it yesterday on the show with John and Lance about the quarterback position. It's the most important. The second thing is, is that you got to have coaches that are, that have the ability to make adjustments in games quickly because the other team's doing it on you. If you're not reciprocating, you're going to get beat mm-hmm. and you, you have 12 minutes to do it at halftime. That's not enough time. And everybody says, Oh, they went into halftime and they made these adjustments. They didn't go into halftime and make adjustments in 12 minutes. They're making adjustments the whole game. Have you seen those blue little things they have on the sidelines? <laughs> That's what they're doing. They're basically in a film room on the sideline in a live game. They are making adjustments. It's tablets. Exactly, it's a tablet. That's exactly what they watch every single day of their lives during the football season. So, some coaches have the ability to do that, and some people don't. And I think the ones that can can make sure that they that's how they're going to win close games. All right, so those were the notes, the outline that I took from uh, Bill's GM, Brandon Bean, on how he built the Bill's franchise. And I think a lot of those things, if not all of them, will be traced yeah. uh, as Joe Shane comes down here as the GM uh, to rebuild the New York football giants. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. We do have an open line, but for now, let's go to Dylan from New York. You are first on the program. Hello. Hi, Dylan. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What's up? Um, I just had a, I had a question about the draft as far as the offensive line, and then I had a point as far as like a sleeper player in the mid-rounds that I've been probably will keep my eye on for a while. Um, the first one is obviously the offensive line is an area of need for the Giants, mm-hmm. and at least one of the two top picks will probably be an offensive lineman, at least we think. Um, but I've had a lot of Giants fans, you know, either on social media or Twitter, they um, they make the point of saying that, like they almost say you can't take a center in the top ten, which obviously I'm, I'm talking about Tyler Linderbaum. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of I guess I'm, I'm questioning the reasoning why behind that because personally, if if I could get Linderbaum at like seven or something right there, and he's probably the top rated center in the draft, and then as far as the rest of the centers, it's quite a drop off. Um, 
I guess, what are your thoughts on, like, that kind of comment as far as, like, people saying you can't take a center in the top ten? Well, the the reason, one of the reasons why is that, you know, where, and when you, when I'll ask you this question, where, what, what is the most important positions on that offensive line in your mind? It's the tackles, right? I mean, those are the guys that are going to protect the center or the quarterback. Um, I just think that those are so much more important that the Giants have a more of a need at a tackle position because they don't have a right tackle. So I feel like if they were book, if they were bookend already, then maybe that Tyler Linderbaum would be maybe something to look at at maybe those five or sevens. But I feel like that, you know, just from experience in the league and looking about what goes around, I feel like just so many people just understand that we can get a center and, and be okay because you're guarded, right? You have guys next to you that can help you. I don't know if that makes sense. That's just kind of where I come from, Paul. What, what, what do you think? Well, the, the one knock that people will put on Linderbaum is his frame. At 6'3", 290, he is really undersized when you consider how many of he's today's... Got quicks, though. Oh, he's got everything else. Yeah. I mean, I wrote down... I did film work on him already. I wrote down motor, angry, workaholic, power, technique is off the charts, and I love his comment. He believes in setting the tone on the first snap of the game. Hit you in the hit you in the in the mouth he, or other places too. <laughs> well, other He's places that kind of guy. He is a competitor. <laughs> and what's the one glaring red flag on him? Six three two ninety, which is clearly undersized in today's NFL, especially when you have some nose tackles going three thirty three forty. Yeah, and some of these DTs even in a four three front that are going three hundred thirty five pounds. So there is there is that. That one question that, okay, you know what? If his frame is going to be a hindrance, how high do you pick him? I mean, it's a tough one. It, it really is. And that's why that not many people have – you're seeing – you hear the generational center where we've heard the generational everything. I, I, it's, just, it's, it's a tough one. I really do. I just think the Giants' need is at the right tackle before the center position. So, anyway, look, I, I'm sure he's going to be a first-round pick. Oh, I, I just he won't he won't he you know, will not get out of he, he's going to be in the top fifteen. You know now well see that that's interesting too Jeff because in the variety of, of of things that I have looked at in terms of grades not necessarily mocks mm -hmm. but in terms of grades there are people who believe he could be a top fifteen there are people who think he could fall down into the twenties in terms of talent evaluation best player available kind of thing yeah some people think he's like the twenty second best player in this draft. Yeah. I, I would put I would put him so, top fifteen. Somebody's going to grab him. So anyway, and, and you know what? Maybe the safe call is he's a mid first round. Pick he's a mid first round. But here's 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 a scenario that I'll throw out at you that maybe the Giants could get him at at you know a trade down at the five or the seven position. Could now happen. if I'm if I'm going from the five position, I'm not getting out of the top ten. I got to be right around nine or ten and pick up some capital, right? But what about that seven position? There's no way I'm trading the five. No. I might consider moving the seven, okay, but you, I would never trade the If you move the seven, the, five's, the five has got to blow you away to be able to say yes to it. The seven, to me, okay, I'll move down. Can, you, can I move down seven spots to get to 14 and Linderbaum is there? I would take him. Of course, that's always the risk because it only takes one team to take him. But, and you and then, understand, and you don't get but you kind of understand what teams are there, right? Between that 7 like and 14. like to believe that, but what if somebody else Well, I up? understand it. You know yeah. how it works. Yeah. Anyways, great anyway, call. Anyway, good call. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We go yep, over the I, line. I had, uh, oh, oh, go ahead. One more. Go ahead. I just have one quick thing. Uh, as far as uh, a player, like a sleeper, I guess, I don't know if, if you guys have seen like a lot of the, the day two or three guys, but... Um, Not yet. I kind of, I really like... Uh, Channing Tindall, linebacker out of Georgia. He's uh, a very fast linebacker, and I feel like in Wink Martindale's scheme, maybe he'd be kind of a fit, and he might even play like a role as far as like a box safety where they might not need to have one. They can use him in that role. Um, but that's somebody who I've definitely been keeping my eye on, and uh, it just seems like over – I mean, I know Dave Gutham is not there, but it seems like over the years that Georgia players are kind of somehow on the Giants' radar sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> SEC players but usually do dollars. find their ways onto the NFL radar. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call, Dill. Appreciate it.
201-939-4513. By the time I'm done, as I do every draft, I'll wind up looking at tape on between 130 and 150 players. Will I look uh, at a Georgia linebacker at some point? Sure, I will. I don't necessarily know exactly when I'll get to him, but I will. I know uh, N'Kobe Dean uh, mm-hmm. won the Butkus Award mm-hmm. as the number one linebacker in NCAA football this yeah. year. Six feet, 220 pounds out of Georgia. But you know what? Here's my problem with him, Jeff, and this goes back to the fit. I see him as a 4-3 weak side outside linebacker. He plays in space. He's all about quickness. Uh, he is not a great pass rusher. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, has only seven and a half career sacks at Georgia well, I, in two and a half <clears throat> seasons. So he's not an edge rusher in a in a 3-4. That's well, not what he is. You know, Wink Martindale is going to have a say in that. He's going to. Like I'm sure he I, will. I mean, I, I you know, I play it. I play a uh, you know a three four, not a four three. So, unless he's got other plans, we don't know. And once again, it all goes to what you have on that side of the football in the house in the building, and who you have under contract, and how am I going to put my team around my scheme around this team? I think a lot of people, including myself, get a little bit ahead ahead of myself when I say, "Well, we got all these guys. Let's just you know, why can't we just do this and this?" I, I, it makes sense that you, you can't do anything. You have to do what you have with your, the guys that are on the roster. See, too much of today's game, Jeff, it's not like when you started, when you pretty much had your basic defense, a couple of different tweaks to it. But now you, you might have substitutions on every snap during the course of a possession. Well, I mean, even, even second down nowadays is, is sometimes nickel. I mean... You know, a lot of times, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's going to that point where I mean, you got a lot of guys on the field covering because the second down play has has kind of gone into where it's a short pass for it's like a run. It's the extension of the run, mm-hmm. and you know if you got corners out there and you got a bunch of them, they can make some plays on that. But but then again, if you don't have corners, Paul, then what do you need? You need find you need some fast linebackers. 201-939-4513. Line one has Jeff in Maine. You're next on the show. Hello. Uh, hey, guys. Happy Friday. You too. Uh, gr- great show so far. I made some really good points. Um, the Thank whole you. thing, while well, Daniel Jones' health, if we get a running, a better running game, that'll help keep him healthy, even more important than a, a, a you know, pass uh, protection. Right. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing is the whole thing about uh, picking the best player available in the draft that's if you have a balanced team. You know, we have four glaring holes in the, in the uh, uh, offensive line. So what I want to do is draft two elite offensive linemen in the first round. Okay, and here, here's who I want. Ekwanu at five. So he, do I. He's a pile-pushing okay, he's a, he's a pile road grader. And then I'd like to move him to guard. You know, mm-hmm. he could be our Quentin Nelson. And then at seven, take Charles Cross. Oh, my uh, God. Are you reading my mind? That's not fair. You you have bugged my telephone at home, haven't you? Or the other way around. You could you, you could switch it no, too. Great minds think alike, I guess. Can, can, no, and, uh, and, and let me just say this before you go any further. I'm all for getting a pure pass rusher if one of the top two guys drops. Okay? I'd be fine with Equanu and obviously Hutchinson or Thibodeau if either one of those guys are there as well. But, well, but well, short of that, I, I would be yeah. so happy with Iguanu and Cross. I am so with you well, on that. Right. Well, thank you. And I, and I agree. And the thing is, Thibodeau might drop. He's trending down now, so he might drop to seven because you figure Carolina at six is probably going to take a quarterback because look who their quarterback is now, mm-hmm. you know? So that could happen, but probably won't. Probably Houston will take him or something. Um, the other thing is, I wouldn't hate it, you know, even if the Giants have to trade up to three to get – um, you know, Equinu, I wouldn't be mad at him, even though normally I hate trading up, uh, just because this guy could be so good, he could herald in like a whole new era, you know, for the Giants, you know. But I think you really have to go big, and, and you know, you get what you pay for, and, and if they just get uh, a tackle, but, you know, we still need three interior linemen, and they just spend like a, a second or third rounder on them, and it's just another Will Hernandez, that ain't going to cut it. And, you know, improving the offensive line to just be a little below average, I want better than that. I want an above-average offensive line. Um, so anyway, and then just one last thing. Uh, they had a really good uh, draft show uh, that came out with the, uh, on, on the podcast, uh, Draft Whatever, and where they came out with the top five of every offensive position. And there was one guy, a quarterback, who, who we were talking about could be a sleeper going to third or fourth round, Ellerby. 
Um, I was wondering what you guys would think about getting someone like that who could maybe develop and might have, you know, a higher ceiling. And with that, I'll take it off the air then. Thank you. Ellerby is his name. Yeah. I, I, you know, again, folks, I, I'll get into my 130 and 150 players. Uh, I'm barely just starting. I've, I've done like top 15 guys and that's it. So uh, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not going to comment on anybody who I have not looked at. If, if, I, if I come across some hearsay, I'll tell you that I've come across some hearsay, and I'll give that to you as hearsay. But otherwise, all my opinions come from the tape that I watch. I don't, uh, I don't like to rely on other people. Well, I mean, until it, it's a, there's a lot of players. I mean, think about you know, for us to go and I mean, we kind of concentrate on those first three rounds, really. You know, I mean, that's that's a hundred and something players. So uh, that's by all the way, can... Zerline from NFL Network. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at his mock draft on the crawl. He's got the Giants trading up to three to take Iquano. Oh, dude, he does. <laughs> Jeff from Maine probably just saw that. <laughs> it's on, we're 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 like the we're like looped in here like five minutes later. So, yeah, we're on the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice going, Jeff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think that there's a lot to be said about that, and and still there's a lot to be. You got to you know we have the combine coming up. You got all the workouts that we got that the guys are going to do. Um, and there's going to be guys that rise up, rise up, and rise down this board as it is every year. So. I, I'm still, to me, I've told you my philosophy. I'll say it again. You have right now, you have one-fifth of the offensive line. That's what you have. You know, pretty much you can you can go home with that, and that's what you have. How do I get to four-fifths? Maybe three-fifths, right? One's a free agent signing, okay? A couple guys out there that I was doing a little bit of research on this today and tell me if you think I'm crazy or not. See, again, though, Jeff, before you go there, you may have more than one-fifth. Maybe. It's possible. Well, we, this you, is me. Right. This is my, my deal. Okay. You, you okay. may or may not, but this is me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got one-fifth right I'm now. I'm not willing to write <laughs> off Lemieux for, for sure. I'm definitely not looking to write him off. But and he's G- coming Gates back from is, an injury. Gates is so. a little bit more of a question yeah. for me, but well, I think Lemieux's in the mix. Lemieux, to me, is more in the mix than Gates for two reasons. Number one, it's not a series of an injury. He's also still on a rookie contract. He's much further along in his rehab, too. And he's also a lot less expensive at this point juncture where the team is at. Um, Connor Williams from Dallas is a guard. And then Ben Jones from Tennessee is a center. Those are two underrated offensive linemen that won't cost you a whole lot of money in free agency. Here's my thing. I told you, I want one splash. It's probably all going to be able to do it. It's mm-hmm. got to be on the offensive side. I don't want a free agent in defense if you're going to make one splash. I want it on the offensive line, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a veteran interior offensive lineman. Okay, center, guard. Now I got two fifths. I'm going to draft me a third fifth, three fifths, mm-hmm. okay, and a tackle. Mm-hmm. All right, now I got three fifths, and I'm not going back-to-back offensive linemen. I'm going defensive end okay edge rusher i will find myself the four fifths in the draft in those 103 picks or eight picks that we have in the top 108 what is it five well, five in the first three rounds first three rounds i will find my fourth a four out of five and then to your point who are, we may have the other they might still be here they might find one on there okay is matt parrott still a guy that we can maybe try to develop new offensive line coach new offense you know who knows but that's how I could coming off his injury. I don't know if you can even. I, think I don't know. He's going to be able. I, to play I don't all. know. All those guys coming off of injuries are just kind of you scratch your head a little bit, right? But we can easily, in my opinion, get to three to four fifths of the offensive line pretty quickly, mm-hmm. pretty quickly to give me an idea how Daniel Jones can play next year. I'm I'm going to give you one very strong piece of uh, preference for me. If I'm going to sign one veteran offensive lineman to decent money because he's going to be a starter and he's going to have an accomplished resume. He's going to be the center. All right. Well, there isn't very many of them. Well, it, it, that's where my money would go to. And it's really simple because the center who's got the experience of playing in this league, has got to be the guy to call out those signals. And the guy who's going to have to work with Daniel Jones and the guy who runs that entire operation up front. I would rather rely on a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seven years center who has a proven track record Fine. and resume, I'm, I'm okay. who's going to play well in week Fine. one of the season. Yeah. Because that rookie that you draft, no matter what round he's at, he's going to need some time before he gets seasoned sure. enough to where he is cooking. And you also want a veteran in, that lo- in, 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 your, in your meeting room. 
The leader. Okay. Yeah. The leader of that offensive yeah. line. But my point, Paul, is I'm saying I, I agree with you. I, I but want here's that the problem. To there go isn't to the very many centers out there, well, and some, some other team might go and pay him big money. And now we're now we're at a second tier center. And if I'm at a second tier center. Let's see how the cuts come in another month. Let's see how the cuts come. That, that's exactly right. So, um, and so that's that's kind of my whole philosophy with uh, with the draft. So I'm just taking you to another degree here. I'm telling you, I'm going to narrow it down. I'm right. paying the center. You're but, saying you'll pay anybody. I'm going to interior offensive lineman. I'm going to get a veteran interior uh, offensive lineman. Uh, that's preferably a center position. Nick Gates can come back, and I, I would love him to come back. And you know, but remember this, guys. I, I just throw caution to the wind with a bunch of things: injuries and salary cap. See, to me, if I pay for the center. And Nick Gates is able to make it back for opening day. Move him to guard. That's exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, he's yeah. in my guard mix. Yeah, so you know he so can I'm play that. that. He played all the all those positions. So, um, but it's just it'll be interesting to see how they get to this point. That's the problem. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is our phone number. Alex, you're in Tampa, and you're next on the show. Hello. Hey guys, uh, long time listener, first time caller. Well, thank you. Um, Good. Thank yeah, you. Pre- appreciate the opportunity. I've been, uh, you know, as we watched the, uh, the Super Bowl ramp up and, and the show yesterday that Jeff was on, uh, it's been interesting to me how you, how you, what your philosophy, to use your word, uh, Paul, on how you build a team before you put down that real money to maybe bring in that quarterback that you're looking for. And I don't think there's a lot of quarterbacks out there that are worth $40 million. But in this day and age, once you get through your rookie contract, you're you're starting to look at those contracts at that price range. Yeah, and I was I've also been looking and, and you see quarterbacks, you know the Mahomes and the others, and I'll, I'll throw Brady out to the side because I think he's a one-off. Most of the quarterbacks and Eli's in there, they're winning their 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 first Super Bowl on their rookie contract, at least recently I would say, um, and so it's really hard to build that team and get to the Super Bowl if you can't do it either with a rookie contract or maybe a quarterback maybe on the backside of their career that's looking for a Super Bowl ring that's put in their time, that's made their money. And so the question I want to pose to you guys today is a philosophy that says, I build my team, I get my $20 million uh, defensive end, I get my $20 million receiver, I, I build those components, the left tackle, and I put all that together and then when I'm ready, I have influence or maybe some control in the relationship because I don't need to pay a 40 or $50 million quarterback. I can get the guy that, you know, uh, that is coming off of a, a couple of contracts and says, you know, I just haven't gotten my ring yet. Or I'm, I'm, in, I'm postured to put down some draft choices to grab that true number one quarterback at the top of the draft and say, I'm going to leverage the next three or four years because I'm ready to put down that money. But you see these teams that that get all the way through and they, they feel forced to pay that uh, that quarterback the 40 or $50 million a year, and then they can't build around them after that point. I look at that with Daniel Jones. So let's say if he has a great year this year and you're like, well, now I want $35 million. You haven't proven to me that you're 35 million, and I can't build around you to get to the Super Bowl if you're asking 35 million. So my, I guess to get to my point real quick, and I'll take my answer off the air. Uh, what about saying, "Hey, we're oh, we lost him." That's that time factor again with our phone system. Oh, wait a minute, you. he's back. Go ahead. I'm gonna, I'm going to surround you with a a top left guard, a top defensive end, a, a, a top wide receiver a good defense, but you're only going to make $25 million as the quarterback of the New York Giants, but you are going to, you're never, you're not going to be that guy getting killed and sacked all the time. You're going to win games and you're going to have a real chance to go to the Super Bowl because we're, we're paying that money out across the team and we're, and we're going to have that, that, that system in place that we are always competitive. I'll take my answer off the air. Appreciate it guys. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, you know. He's living in a fantasy world. <laughs> I love what he's saying in theory because I think quarterbacks are paid too much. I've said this before. There should be a cap on quarterback salaries no, because should. when quarterback salaries start taking up 30% of your salary cap, 35% of your salary cap, it's a ridiculous amount. Well, good. No quarterback. Don't try to win without him. Well, no quarterback with those kinds of numbers has ever won a Super Bowl. It never happened. 
What do you mean? Never happened. Right now? Right now. What does Stafford Go back make? and look at it. Go back and look at no, what it. What does Stafford make this year? He won a Super Bowl. I, uh, let me go check what his percentage yeah, I was. He, I go bet ahead. He, I bet he's, I'll, I'll go look it up. No, my whole point, Paul, is that you cannot win a Super Bowl without a real quarterback. Period. The only guy, the only team that's ever done it has been the Baltimore Ravens when Trent Dilfer won the run the Super Bowl as a quarterback when he had the the best defense in the in the National Football League. You, and by the way, you could pay Daniel Jones eight point eight million this year and pay him twenty something next year. You you can get two years out of him for almost you know a little more than half of what these other guys are making if that's your, and then you could sign him to a, an extension if you wanted to. Like we said, pick up his option for twenty mil. He's a bargain that, well, next that, year. That's what I'm NFL saying. Starter. You can get that guy, and that falls into this to the caller's theory. All you're not going to make twenty five million. No, you're not. You're going to make eight this year. You're going to make twenty something next right. year. And he's stuck. So, let's just say it's thirty million over the next two years. Okay, with everything mixed in, that's still fifteen year, fifteen million average a year. That's still way below market value. It's less than half of what you're going to have to go pay somebody else. Now, that's only if your organization is set on doing this matt stafford his number okay his cap number this year was 20 million dollars it was less than 11 percent of their cap i win that bet jeff i'm sorry okay all right did you, he take a you pay can't, cut you can't have I, I don't know what the case was but that's what the number was yeah. what about mahomes and it's just, just a fact well when mahomes got his deal it was so backloaded that he was cheap at the time well, no, it's a fact. My, I, I don't have this, the chart with me, but I have the chart at home. It's on my office wall because I love when Lance brings this up and I crucify him every time. I fry him like a roasted pig because he doesn't understand that you cannot give that much of a percentage to your quarterback and have any chance to win. It can't be done. Go ahead, Jeff. No, go. Take another call. 201-939-4513, and I just lost my screen. So go ahead. Just punch him up, Pearson. Don't punch Your next up, Pearson, don't punch anybody. It's Gary in Virginia. Gary, hello. Hey, how you guys doing? You're We're doing okay. We're show. arguing a lot, but that's okay. That's what we that's do right. here. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. Hey, yeah, so I just want to make a couple points uh, in favor for Daniel Jones. I just hear a lot of people calling, you know, to get rid of him. And, you know, two things. One is uh, – you know, if you're going to get rid of a player, you got to find somebody to replace him. And, you know, it doesn't seem like there's somebody in this draft that, that has his ability. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is, you know, like everybody has said, our offensive line has been so bad in the past, you know, giving him, you know, this year to prove it, mm -hmm. I don't even think it's fair. I, I want to give him two years because he hasn't had a, a, a fair chance, and I think he's played pretty good for what he's had. Um, so I, I'd like to I'd like to definitely sign that that fifth year option and give him a couple years um, to to see what he can do with a with a you know a good old line. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, it's and 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 I don't, I think there's a lot of people that will agree and disagree with you. There's really no right answer. But when you really look at what Paul and I are talking about, in the grand scheme of things, for for a team that is trying to find money and save some money because their cap is just crazy right now. The best thing to do in this situation would be to do that. Okay. Now, th this is the philosophy that gets in the way. <laughs> is that where I want to go? Well, the and other you, thing is. But you're it, not going to. You, but you have to evaluate him now because you're not going to have time to do it because the extension's in May. That's why your trainers and medical staff are important here because they've got to tell you what do we think his injury risk is. They've got to come up with that. Now, I know it's hard. But they've got to well, tell they've you. They've already said, they've already told you what it is. He's, he's non-contact the whole offseason until training camp. Okay, now, if they can't feel confident, then you've locked this guy into a $20 million contract for the following season when now, if they've told you he is a bad injury risk, you run the risk of now having to be paying that deal for a guy who may not be able to play. And I, I'm kind of, I'm just, you know, I would love to have Daniel Jones back. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think through this thing. And for me, I, I don't think that, that it just checks all the boxes. I just don't. Injuries, the way that he's played. And, and, and it's by, a legit and, concern, and, and again, Jeff. it's not, a lot of it no isn't, question. and by the way, a lot of it isn't his fault the way he's played because of what's been around him. Now remember. And, and getting hurt is like, that's just part of football. Dable's scheme requires the quarterback to do some running. A little remember bit. Remember that. Yeah. yeah, but remember this too. He's not going to be, you know, I, Jackson but, down in Baltimore, but, I told you, but I he will run. I cautioned you before that, the beginning of the show, I told you. 
Dable's system just can't be popped into a building and have it run. It's got to be adaptable. So he's going to have to adapt to the but, people that are here. But he knows that Daniel Jones has the ability to run. But he also knows that Daniel Jones has a neck injury. Well, and so I'd <laughs> like to believe he'll be a little more cautious. But that's my, my point is he doesn't have to. So maybe he can feel like, okay, we don't have to run this guy as much as we want to. Maybe in year two because we got him under contract now, that he gets healthier, he shows us that he has the sustainability well, during the season, and now we can kind of put an offense in a little bit more. We if the O-line's it. really good and the running game is really good, so maybe Daniel Jones can just be a pocket passer and forget about taking off That's five fine, or six and you know what? If that's the case, then, then what we're talking about here makes sense. Then it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Then you got to tie him up with that option. There you go. So we just signed Daniel Jones back for you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, that's all I got. Thanks, guys. All right, Appreciate guys. Take it. care. Thank you very yep, much. Thank you. 201-939-4513. we got a few minutes left on the program. We would take another phone call if somebody wants to dial in. And I think, Jeff, that's that's part of the problem. And, you know, that's why uh, one of the reasons I love doing this show is that we can discuss these things with, with people, but we're also not afraid to tell them. There are variables in these equations that we don't have. Okay, there'll be you you can listen to any talk show you want on the radio and these hosts think they know everything and they don't. Okay, they don't. The problem is they don't even know what they don't know. And that's (laughs) that's the ignorance of the whole thing. And then you get the writers who do the same thing. Yeah, we will tell you that there are eight pieces to this equation and there are three of them that we don't know and have no business knowing because they're going to keep it upstairs in the files. I, I do know one thing. If you look at the way uh, things are going down here in the building, th- these coaches as a staff just got here this this week. You know, all of them together, okay? They're right now, they're breaking down this team because they have to, right? Because free agency is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't one of those situations where the team is going so far to like they're going to have a huge free agency uh, period. They're not because they just don't have the money to go out there and spend it unless the Giants go and find some of it. Now remember what Dave Gettleman said about free agency and how about how and during the draft how you got to have some money that you set aside. Right. You know that all has to be taken into consideration too. I have no idea what Shane's philosophy I, and, is. On and, that. and I would and how love much to would find want? out about that. Right. Again, but another I, but variable I gotta, we but don't I, have. But I got to believe that every general manager in the National Football League has to have some little bit of a sure. stash or way a that you chest, can do it. As they yeah. Say. But my point is, is that. Uh, you know, going forward, this team is evaluating how they're going to be able to take the players that are here and put it in their system. And then that will tell them where how actively they need to get involved in free agency. And it'll also take them down the path of where they need to go in the draft. That's mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Steven in Florida, you're on line one. Boy, all these Florida people. Thanks for calling. <laughs> hey, good afternoon, guys. How Hi. You doing? Very good, sir. How are you? Good, good. Hey, I just heard the last call, uh, you know, with Daniel Jones, and I, you know, I wanted to throw my two cents in with the salary cap issues and, you know, trying to get the $40 million lopped off the books. So, you know, my, my two thoughts are, uh, one on Jones is, you know, obviously, you to me, the only thing you could do is not pick up his fifth-year option now because of his health issues and it, you know you could always pick it up after the may deadline if i'm not mistaken you can't but it would cost you a little bit more money no you can't well, after you can't. after after the deadline comes you can't pick up the fifth year option you now have to negotiate a brand new deal with him it's got to be a full-fledged right. free agent ex- extension in other words and now you're kind of putting the ball in his court he gets all the leverage at that point right right um, okay, so that that's one thing. The other thing I wanted to talk about Saquon and um, and, and I, you know, I, I love Saquon. He's a great player, obviously. And uh, the last couple of years with the injuries, to me, what makes sense since you're tearing this whole team apart, I don't see them re-signing him after this year and investing in a guy that's you know had multiple injuries over the last two and a half years. And and you know, to me. The only thing that makes sense is you could save over $7 million. If you can get a second or third round pick. You cannot get a second or third third pick. No way. Second or third, not both, obviously. No, you won't get second or third. His value right now on the market would be extremely low if you try to move him. That's why you got to keep him. Yeah, well, yeah, but if you look at it that way, you know, I don't know. I would even take a fourth. I mean, maybe it's selling short. But the fact is, 
you know, looking at the new regime, they're not going to resign him. I mean, I don't see in a million years that they're resigning him to a second contract. Yeah, and I, 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 I see your argument there. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're not going to have him for the future, why have him now and then save the cap, right? That's basically what you're saying. Then the Giants are going to have to oh, draft absolutely. a running back. See the one, the one, the one thing, the one thing I want, I want to make sure we understand each other. I get what you're saying economically, and that in 2023 you're saying that it doesn't make financial sense to have him on this team, and I think you can make a logical case for that. But here's the other part of it: if you're trying to give Daniel Jones every opportunity to succeed this year, okay, and you believe that Barkley is one of those headache players who can score from anywhere on the field, who does threaten people with his big play capability, well, you really want to give Jones that opportunity to work with a guy like that. If you think your offensive line is going to be better, then you want Galladay to kick butt. You want Barkley to kick butt. Because if they get things going, that helps Jones' development immensely. And then next year, even if Barkley is gone, now you've got the benefit of all the development that Jones was able to reap off of having Barkley in his backfield. I think it all comes down to yeah, no, no. When, when, how much money that this team needs to save and when they get to it. You know, so like if they're if they're saving money, they're cutting guys, they're trading guys, and they're still seven million short of their goal. They're going to have to make up a decision then if they want to move Saquon and take that seven million dollars off of the books, right? That I think that, and if they can afford to keep them, I think they would like to. Um, unless somebody comes and gives you the farm for him. But, and then, then that's an easy one. Yeah. And we know that's not going to happen. But, you know, the flip side to that, Paul, is, you know, look, you have Devontae Booker. He's on a $3 million deal, which, you know, and he's, he's done a good job for them. I, you know, sure. to me, either, they, to me, they have to draft a, a running back at some point in this draft. And, look, it's a proven thing that you can get good quality running backs. You know, even in the mid to late rounds, look at Elijah, Elijah Mitchell from the 49ers. The guy had over 1,000 yards. He was in the sixth round. Uh, Elijah Mitchell so, was one of my two sleepers in last year's draft in terms of running backs. So I know yeah. all about him. I love the kid. But here, yeah. let me let me just add this to you, though. Devontae Booker's not scaring defensive coordinators on Monday night when they're making the game plan. He's not keeping them up. They're, they don't get headaches from him. They know he can't score from anywhere on the field. They know he's not a big threat in the passing game. He can catch little short dump, dump-offs, yeah. But if you really want to institute a, a widespread, versatile offensive attack for Daniel Jones, Devontae Booker is not going to help him. He, he does not provide him any extra edge or advantage going against the D. We know what Barkley's done. Caught 91 passes as a rookie can line up anywhere on the field, run any route on the field, can probably beat not only every linebacker on the field, but probably beat a lot of corners on the field. It's not the same. You know, the, the threat, people keep saying this, oh, Booker's fine. Booker's a good complimentary back. That's what he is. If you honestly believe that he is your full-time starter week in and week out, boy, you've got defensive coordinators feeling really good about that when they play you. No, no, I, and I agree with you a thousand percent. You know, at the end of the day, it's a philosophical decision because, you know, let, let's say Saquon has a great year this year and he stays injury-free. You know, the different, look, this team, you, you know, we have to admit, with Saquon, with a healthy Daniel Jones, you know, you can have a lot of rookies. This, this team, whether it's four wins or five, they're not going to the playoffs this year. So with Saquon, even if he's fully healthy, has a great year, what is going to make a difference in this team? One or two more wins at this point? That's not what that's not you know, what you're talking about, though. This goes back to the point I made a couple of minutes ago. It's about developing Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones will yeah. gain a tremendous amount of benefit if Barkley's in his backfield. And ultimately, if you think he's going to be your guy and you, you think you might have him around whether you pick up the option or not, if, if you think he's the guy, then you've got to do everything you can to develop him. And Barkley helps do that. Booker doesn't. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree for sure. You know, and obviously we know they're going to add at least two to three pieces on the offensive line in the draft. I mean, that, sure. that goes without saying. And, you know, and obviously we don't know what kind of scheme they're going to run on the blocking, whether it's, you know, zone or power blocking, because Saquon is not really that great in between the tackles. I mean, even, 
even in his heyday, as big and strong as he is, that's not the kind of runner that he is. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, All right. Well, thanks uh, for the phone call. We got to run. We're running out of time here. Actually, we're already owed overtime. Appreciate the call. Look, there is a chance, Jeff, that economics ultimately will rule every decision. Sure. And is there a possibility somehow, some way, that Barkley doesn't play for this team this year, that they're forced to make some kind of move? Look, if they're boxed into a corner and they've got to make a move, then they've got to make a move. I don't see that as a likely scenario. I just don't, for too many reasons. Yeah, I still think it's going to come down to when this team is looking for money. If they're going to be able to get to the where they're at by keeping him on the roster, then he'll be here. That's, that's just, I think that's how it's going to work. All right, that wraps up Big Blue Kickoff Live for this week. Once again, folks, 201-939-4513 is the phone number. Jot it down. We are here every weekday live from 12 Eastern time to 1 p.m. Uh, with the program. And you could always catch uh, the archive of this program on all your favorite podcast networks and at Giants.com slash podcasts. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm Paul Tatino. We'll talk to you again soon.